This week on Three Questions with Corey Kareem. Hmm, my biggest. Um, you would think that I would have thought of this question knowing that you would probably ask that <laughs> before <laughs> sitting here. Um, but I think my biggest F up to date was my marriage. Now, before we get started with this beautiful conversation, please help a brother out and click on that follow button on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Enjoy the conversation. Welcome back, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Three Questions with Corey Kareem, the podcast where we sit down with some amazing people who are doing some amazing things. And that's right. You guessed it. We asked them three questions, sometimes four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I know. I know. I know. I read the comments. But rather than talk about my guests, their wins or their successes, we tend to talk about their failures. At least we start the, the conversation from there. So with that being said, my guest today is an award-winning executive producer, multimedia personality, NAACP Image Award nominee, TEDx speaker, author of Side Hustle to Main Hustle, and currently the founder of the Alive Podcast Network, which is a Techstars 2022 portfolio company. Her corporate resume includes executive roles for award-winning hosts like Larry King and Jane Pauley and working for reputable networks such as NBC, Bloomberg, and AARP. So without further ado, Angelina, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So excited to be here with you. Yes. So Angel, I I know that I, I gave you a lightweight intro. We'll call it that. You have a pretty intense bio. Um, so for my listeners, for my audience that are not familiar with who you are and what you've done, uh, why don't you give us a short synopsis of who you are and what you're about? Yeah. So actually, first off, thank you so much for having me as a guest. And I think you did a great job with the snapshot of a lot of the things that I've done, a lot of the things that, um, like Angel has accomplished throughout the trajectory of her life. Oh, the one thing that you didn't mention, um, and this is probably just because I don't put it out there that much. Uh, earlier this year, I was um, I received a Presidential Lifetime Achievement Award from President Biden. Mm, congratulations. Um, thank you. So, and I mentioned that just because that is around service to others and the amount of volunteering that you give back to society. And that's one of the things that I think is really key to who I am mm. is to always like reach back and help others. Right. And that's amazing. And I love that. Uh, so Angel, let's get, let's get right into this. Um, so as I mentioned at, at the show opener that we like to start the conversations around mistakes, dealing with difficult times, all of that. So as a serial entrepreneur, go-getter, media personality, and just even just a human being, what has been your biggest fuck up to date? What happened? How'd you get through it? And most importantly, what did you learn from it? Hmm, my biggest. Um, 
you would think that I would have thought of this question knowing that you would probably ask that <laughs> before <laughs> sitting here. Um, but I think my biggest F up to date was my marriage. Mm. Um, so at the time I got married when I was, I mean, I wasn't too young. Like I was like 29. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I got married for the wrong reasons and not like on some like shady type stuff, mm-hmm. but like growing up, I was that person who never wanted to get married, wasn't keen on like having kids. Like I was just super focused on like, I just want people to know my name. I mm-hmm. want to be able to make an impact that when I leave this earth, like it's memorable. Right. And I just remember um, when I met my ex-husband, I felt like he wasn't threatened by all of the different things I was doing. At the time, I was modeling. I just graduated Howard. Um, I was I was working in media. I, I probably had about six jobs. And, <laughs> and you're not and Jamaican, people, right? And I'm not. <laughs> um, people used to ask me that like all the time. <laughs> And so, like, I was like, oh, like, I can be me and I can do all of these things and you still want to be around me. Like, and you weren't threatened or anything like that. And so that was kind of like my, oh, well, maybe I could can do this. Mm-hmm. Problem was, I wasn't in love. It was genuinely that, like, oh, well, he's a nice guy. You know, he looks great on paper. We get along. He's a good person. Why not? Mm. And so for, I was married for about 10 years. Um, but in me taking accountability for the relationship, overall, it was fine. But then I realized it was so many things that if I were going to be in a relationship that it was lacking. Mm. And a huge part of that, like for me as an entrepreneur is like that support and knowing that that person is riding with you, they're cheering you on and they're genuinely happy for your success. Um, When I left corporate America, I felt like that entire relationship crumbled because there was a lack of understanding of like really who I was because I think a lot of our relationship was tied to the identity that I had in corporate America. Mm. Um, So yeah, like I think taking my kids through a divorce because I didn't take the time to really be honest about like how I felt and whether or not I really wanted to be married or if it was just something that it was kind of like, okay, whoop de doo let's do this. Mm-hmm. Um, so like the repercussions and the aftermath of my lack of being transparent and honest with myself, I have to say that was definitely my biggest F up. Mm. And so like moving forward, what would you say? I don't, I should ask, are, would you, do you see yourself ever getting married again based on what you're accomplishing right now and how you're moving? So I, I love the sanctity of marriage. I love what marriage represents. My parents have been married for almost 45 years. Um, And so with that being said, I would. Mm -hmm. Um, I think as you get older, 
your priority shift and, and having a shift in priorities. It's also acknowledging like, how have you grown and what are some of those key things that are important and imperative to how you want to live the rest of your life and having a lifelong partner, um, that is a part of my journey and I can be a part of their journey. I think that's like a huge part of like something that is important to me. Right. And so besides being more honest with yourself up front, and besides the fact that you're just in a different life stage, what do you think you would do differently the next time around? Hmm. I would have to say that main thing Two things. Mm. Um, and one of the things is based on a conversation I have with my dad. Mm-hmm. If my dad was like, if you would have told me you weren't in love with him, I would have told him no. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I mean, it was a very real conversation I had with my dad. And he was just like, if you're not in love with a person, wh- what, what are you doing it for? Like, that's what sustains you when things are horrible and in sickness and, and, you know, mm. when y'all are broke or whatever the situation may be, it's how you genuinely have a deep, passionate love for that person that will help you sustain the relationship, mm-hmm. give them grace when things are crazy and hectic. Mm-hmm. Um, want to give them more of you and then you're able to sometimes give of yourself like to yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the other part of it that I would say is like really important is um, making sure that you and that individual is equally yoked. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times we enter into relationships based on what is the right now. Hmm. And if I look at my previous marriage, it was very much like I said, I referenced when I was in corporate, everything was good. When I left corporate, it was kind of like what happened. And I think a lot of, even for him, things that were tied to me were tied to who I was in the industry and what I was doing. And during the time where I was finding my way, it got chaotic and crazy. Whereas now, like, I'm such in a mode of like, if I can't build with you and we can't, you know, focus on like, are we making money together? Are we able to be there for each other emotionally, spiritually, and all of those different things? Then what are we doing? Mm -hmm. And so... I'd rather go through the test of time of not having and building with than having and then not having and learning that that person was never rocking with you from the beginning. Right. And so having an understanding that y'all are cut from the same cloth, (laughs) you going to rock with the person, you have a similar spiritual makeup, a similar appetite physically and all of that, like that to me is like imperative to being able to have a sustainable and healthy relationship. Right. I love everything you just said. And this comes at a very interesting time because at least on the celebrity front, it just seems that there's been a lot of separations, uh, divorces going on um, that are just 
you know, taking up the headlines, if you will. And it's something you said, you just shared something about what your father said, like in terms of if you, I'm paraphrasing here, if you don't have that desire or you're in love with that person, which is going to help you to sustain those difficult and rough times, I'm with that. The question that comes to mind for me then is people change, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And what happens when you and that person were on the same page and then seven years later, they become like this almost different individual. I guess where that love, that undeniable love you have for that person holds you through, but that's always seems to be a challenging one. And I think people forget that, you know, your partner is most likely to change at some point in time, maybe for better, maybe for worse. <laughs> right. That's your vows, right? Um, but yeah, thank you for sharing that. I know that's a deep one. So, and I know that's stuff that a lot of people are going through. So very uh, relatable there. Um, so let's talk about boss slash hustle culture within our community, specifically the black community, um, where we often hear slogans like, you know, sleep is the cousin of death, sleep when you die, no days off. So as an award-winning entrepreneur, someone who is actually doing it, living it, breathing it, what's your take on those types of narratives that are floating around the community right now? Um, I think that's a great question. I think a lot of times we celebrate um, team no sleep, uh, mm-hmm. you know, just powering through. But what we've also seen, if we're paying attention, a lot of times people who are doing that, they have burnout. Mm-hmm. They are suffering from exhaustion. And then, again, referencing my parents, um, they always kind of instilled in us, like, your body will shut you down and put you down mm-hmm. if you're not taking care of it, right? And so when you just continue to go, 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 you're not fueling your body properly, you're eating junk food, and you're, you're doing all of these things for all of the wrong reasons. Like, well, I shouldn't say all the wrong reasons, but you're just on this trajectory of like, you just want to be a boss or you, you just trying to like keep your hustle game strong, right? But then what happens when you do that and you don't have a sustainable business structure, 90% of women entrepreneurs are solopreneurs. They're doing Mm -hmm. everything on their own in their business. So you do all of these things and now you have to sit down because now you've worked yourself too much. Who's running a business? So all of that that you've been hustling for, you're going to lose it. You gonna give your clients to somebody else? Like, how are you going to make sure that you're sustainable? Mm-hmm. And so, I've been guilty of all nighters, and you know, I'm just my natural makeup is I'm an overachiever, and mm-hmm. I don't stop until the job is done. That's that's who I am. That's how I always have been. But I'm also the person. I, you ain't got to make an example out of me. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can learn by watching other people. Right. And so I've had to learn it's okay to take a break, Angel. Um, I don't remember the last time I've had like a real, real vacation where there was no work involved. Like, Mm. I don't remember that. But giving yourself balance where, okay, if I do have to speak here, I'm going to go out at night and I'm going to chill and I'm going to have some angel time. I'm going to enjoy myself or my company that I'm with. Um, 
but just being okay with like every waking moment doesn't have to be about the grind. Right. Right. I love that. And, and I could relate to you on a lot of levels. I'm a high achiever. Uh, I currently don't have an off switch. I'm working on, on finding one. Even when I'm sleeping, my mind is working. There's so many times where I can recall waking up at two in the morning and I have an idea writing it out. and writing it out on my iPhone. Um, and so I, it's, it's something I struggle with. And, and for me, I think my drive comes from a few different places. Uh, once I was a part of a, a major layoff and that always just kind of rubbed me the wrong way that, that knowing that there was a good part of my future I wasn't in control of. And that always kind of drove me to kind of have something of my own. Uh, two, in, during the pandemic, 2020, I had this, whether you want to call it a dream or an, an epiphany, I had this, this dream epiphany where I was told I had six months left to live. And mm. I woke up in sweats and thank God it, it was not true. But I started to ask myself, what if that were true? Like, what would I do differently? What would I start doing? What would I stop doing? And so now I kind of like mentally check myself in that position as much as I can. Obviously, I'm not in it and I don't mean to make light of anyone that's currently in that situation. But every quarter, every two or three months, I kind of run that narrative through my mind. Like, am I doing what I want to do right now if this were my last few months. Mm-hmm. And that kind of helps me to have that drive. But to to your point, there needs to be some boundaries. I think that's the word I'm looking for. You know, so I'm currently trying to figure out what my hours of operation are like, you know, businesses have nine to five or nine to seven or whatever it is. But it's tough, especially when you love what you do. Absolutely. Right? It's hard to draw those lines in the in the sand as they say. Um and speaking and, and of let me- sorry, go ahead. Sorry. Like, so I actually have like two things. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to start with what you just said. Your boundaries don't have to be the standards of everybody else. Mm. Your boundaries can be if today you want to work from bed, then you work from the bed. Mm. Your boundaries can be like, I just feel like I don't have to adhere to everybody else's standards of what being a business owner means. And just because you go 24 seven, it's just how do you give yourself grace and that time to recoup so that you can actually perform at an optimal level. Um, so I just wanted to say that, but then I also want to go back and I want to ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Please do. When you had the dream mm-hmm. or the epiphany, as you say, did you cry? I don't think I cried, but I have a very vivid imagination. So it felt extremely real. Mm-hmm. And so what was real. like the first thing that it made you do? I don't know if I could recall the first thing I did, mm-hmm. but I knew that I started to do things that I've always wanted to do that I know that wouldn't break the bank. So one of the things that I could recall <laughs> is I went skydiving that summer. Mm-hmm. It was also my, my, like my third, I was 35, I was turning 35 or 34. And, um, I just said, well, this is not going to, you know, break the bank. Anything like that, I started to do anything that I was 
healthy, curious about in a healthy manner, I explored that. I started to challenge myself within the workplace environment. Sometimes I've been the guy that I've had really inquisitive questions, but I kept them to myself. Well, mm-hmm. no longer was that guy. I when when I went around the world and I sat at one of our workshops, I was sitting front well. I was asking the executive team questions directly. I'd be the first one to put my hands up. No longer all those little things that I would just second guess or hesitate about. I cut that out. So one of those were one of the changes I made after that epiphany. I love it. So it changed you. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Um. So speaking of like boundaries and stuff, so. Do you believe like work-life balance is actually attainable? Or is that that's something that we just aspire to and we say because it sounds nice? <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so I um, I believe it's attainable, but it's segmented, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did a TED talk maybe two, three years ago. Um, And it was about being an overachieving parent. Mm -hmm. And I came up with this method called the quiet method. And the goal of the quiet method was to help you be more intentional with the things that matter outside of work, right? So if you got kids, do these things. If you have a, a relationship, do these things, right? And so quiet essentially stands for quality time over quantity. Mm. The you is being understanding. I is being intentional. Um, the E is being engaging or expressive. The T is transparent. Mm. And so that kind of like formula is what I use to ensure that I have a balance because I'd be lying if I sat here and said, like, I could be a dope parent and be at all of my kids' things and feel fulfilled if I couldn't do what I feel like my God-given purpose, that I feel like I was placed on this earth if I wasn't able to fulfill that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think that God would give us a vision, a purpose, and passion Um, but give us the ability to have children and we're supposed to procreate and we're supposed to have family and all of those things. I don't think that if we couldn't have them both, Mm -hmm. that we would be given that opportunity. I think there's just a way of how do you manage the time? There are some people who have the argument of, oh, well, you can't have it all at the same time. That's a lie. You can. I'm living it. Like, (laughs) I'm just intentional with how I segment my time. Like, so I can be very present and I can be out of town, but I can still be present in my kids' lives where they know what is happening with mommy, where we have our every night we have a tradition. So since they were younger, I used to sing, yes, Jesus loves me. And we would pray Mm -hmm. together. And it didn't Mm -hmm. matter where I was in the world, that tradition continued and they knew regardless mommy wasn't going to miss that Mm. and so i think it just depends on how are you creating systems and creating 
um, traditions with your family so that you can be successful in that space as well as in your business or whatever it is that you're pursuing. Right. I love that. And I think I've heard a few people share what you just shared, but slightly different. I remember, I think Tony Robbins talked about work-life balance before it was a, a big buzzword in today's society. And he talked about really just maximizing the time that you have. So if you're spending it with family, like you said, rather than focusing on quantity, making all the baseball, basketball, football games, you're there for the the important ones. Or when you're mm-hmm. there, you're fully present, mm-hmm. right? Um, and making those ma- making those moments count to the best of your abilities, right? And then uh, a friend of mine who owns two gyms, he had talked about how, yeah, it's possible, but it for him, it operates in extremes. So there's times right now he just opened up his second gym. He's like, daddy's going to be away more than usual. But come around May, when that gym is kind of up to speed, I'm going to be able to pick you up every day from school like I was prior to. So it's like that pendulum. It's, it's going to swing you know, back and forth. And that's how you get balance if you add it up, I guess, over a course or a period of time. And I would also add the key thing of what you just said. He communicated to his family, this is what's happening. Mm-hmm. A lot of times what is missing is the communication piece. Right. A lot of times we just want to do what we want to do. We over here, we over there. And there's no structure to it. But if I know that I can depend on you, you've been here, I've seen you do it. And now there has to be a shift. Mm-hmm. I can understand that. And I also know when there's a deadline, when it's going to come back to me. And so I think that goes back to at the end of the day, like we all want to be communicated with. Nobody wants to be left in the dark about really what's happening. When you're left in the dark, that leaves your mind to wonder. It causes you to feel like you're being abandoned and causes you to start thinking like the people don't care about you. They don't love you. All of these different things. But if you're showing them by communicating, and staying engaged with them. You may not be able to do as much hands-on as you are when things aren't as crazy and wild, but they still feel like they're still a part of your life. Right, right. I love it. Um, A bad day. <laughs> I'm sure you've had a few like everyone else. Um, What's your routine to deal with bad days and how do you get yourself out of your own head or out of a funk? people. Mm. Um, and I think it depends. So my best friends would probably say I work if I'm, mm-hmm. <laughs> if I'm having a bad relate. day. <laughs> um, but that's my happy place. You know, like that's the place that I know that I can go and I'm going to succeed. I think there are a lot of times that we lean towards and lean into the things that we know we have control over our success. When you're having a bad day or when I'm having a bad day, the last thing I want to do is be left alone because I feel like that's how you just, well, unless I'm like working, but then I don't, I don't know. I I don't feel alone when I'm at work. Um, But yeah, like it's either working or being surrounded by other people because one, I'm not going to sulk in front of others and have like this, you know, attitude type thing. 
And so maybe that's just like a facade, but Mm -hmm. for me, it's giving me space to be surrounded by other people who are either having a good time, showing love, being able to see that. And depending on what my funk is of, you know, why I'm having a bad day, sometimes it's just being surrounded by my kids Mm -hmm. and those who love me um, and knowing that it's going to be okay. Right. That's energy. Right. It's um, transferable. Yeah. No, and, and I think I have some of those for myself. Uh, for me, a um, few different things. So the gym uh, is a good place for me to rid myself of tension, stress, negative energy. Uh, I have a certain music playlist I can play to get me in a certain, you know, um, my set music is very powerful. Yes. Um, I have different playlists for different, different ones. Also, mm-hmm. um, you know, you mentioned, you know, friends. I think a part of that for, for me too, is I have like a men's fellowship group mm-hmm. where it's about four of us, we get together once a month, you know, sometimes it's a restaurant, sometimes it's one of our, in one of our houses and we talk all things life from Mm. business goals career aspirations relationships nothing's left off the table and we just we just talk it out and i think that's important because i always leave inspired because sometimes they're some sometimes their vision is bigger than mine and they let me know that i'm sometimes i'm thinking too small Mm -hmm. um and that's like another way so to your point the friendship the close circle um those are really powerful yeah, totally agree. Amazing. Um, question, another question for you here. Of course, this is the question show. Um, if you were president of the United States, what are one to three things you would change in the country and then specifically within the black community? Well, that's hard. <laughs> so pick one, pick one. Okay. Uh, things that I would change. Um, one, I think college education should be free, made available free, whether it's at the, um, was it, um, the associate's level? What are those mm-hmm. colleges called? Yeah, t- um, yeah, junior or not junior college, but I, I get what you mean. Yeah, like the associate's degree, two-year college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like those mm-hmm. should be free, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like everybody should have an opportunity to have a higher education. Now, mm-hmm. I think if you have to pay for a four-year institution, okay, fine, right? Um, because clearly, I think there's standards to okay, you have this level of education or you just want to do the bare minimum or however you want to work it, but just having access to it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think in the Black community, the thing that I would change, I don't know. Um, and I don't know if this is like on a presidential type level, but I mm-hmm. think that Ensuring that everybody has a mentor. Mm, That's a big one. I think that is something that could really change the trajectory of people's lives. 
1000%. Like when you have somebody who can legit root for you, encourage you, breathe life, life into you, open your mind to other things that people in your immediate community may not have ever been exposed to, but yeah. having access to somebody who one cares and two, um, can expose you to something greater than what you possibly have ever experienced. I think it could really change the trajectory of what it means to be in an inner city or a black person, because I feel like it's only a certain type of black individual typically that Mm -hmm. ends up with a mentor. Right. Right. No, I'm with you on that. I think if it were me, um, See, this is fair, Kareem. I mean, Corey, you and I already thought of your responses to these things. No, I actually, (laughs) to be fair, I wrote this question 30 minutes before, but, and I've never asked this question before, but as you gave, I was inspired by your answer. So I'm I'm cheating a bit. So I think, you know, the education one is a big piece. I would, I would say, how can we make it more affordable? Mm. Um, I think that is, and I'm not even necessarily talking about post-secondary, like higher ed education. I'm even talking about how do you get like high schools, junior high schools more funded? Is there another way we can well, do that? Well, if we don't say that, let's throw elementary in there too, because I'm paying Absol- tuition right now. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. How do you make that more affordable at scale? Because I believe if you went to the university college level, it's almost too late. Um, a lot of people are going to fall out before then. And then I would say, if I'm talking about the black community specifically, I love what you said about mentorship. Um, I would love if there was a program that took kids from the toughest neighborhoods and allowed them to travel elsewhere around the world. Mm. You know, maybe you take a bunch of kids and you take them to South Africa and you give them some perspective and they just come back. Cause I think traveling is one of the best uh, learning experiences. Yeah, um, I agree. 100%. Um, okay. So I would be remiss if I didn't ask this question, but why podcasts? And out of all the types of companies that you could build, why did you choose to build a podcast network? Great question. Um, so I decided to work in podcasting because I'd worked in audio production and the audio space for over two decades, right? Mm-hmm. And part of the reason why I started the network was because I feel like if you look at history, like there's typically like a place you can go for black content. So -hmm. you think BET, that was Mm -hmm. your television, Um, all black or the different, you know, Tubi as well, like (laughs) for movies, you know, for the black consumer. And even though we were before them, I believe, but podcasts just seem like a natural next thing that you Mm -hmm. would want to be able to go and consume um, content by individuals who look like you and sharing stories that are relevant to your life. And so about 
three years ago, I had the opportunities to create a show for a black um, host and the show got canceled. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time that I realized that's my first time working with a black celebrity host. Um, And I had worked in the past with all types of white celebrities and I'd never had a show canceled. Right. And so when I started looking at the parallel between how the white hosts were treated in the industries that I had worked in, how much money they made, how much their marketing budgets were, um, just across the board, like how much they received from like their ad sales and all of that versus what it looked like when I started working with black celebrities and creatives. I was like, this is a huge disparity. Like there's something wrong. Like, even if we, we think about like Terrence Howard right now, Uh he's been on the circuit talking about how he made $12,000. Hustle and flow. From hustle and flow. Yeah, I saw that. 12K. Wild. There is a problem with how our Black celebrities are being treated in the industry. There's a problem across the board. And so I saw this problem and I was like, I want to be a solution where not only are Black creators and celebrities able to monetize their content fairly and equitably based on what I've seen white people accomplish. Mm -hmm. But I also wanted them to maintain ownership of their content. I also wanted to be able to bring some of these celebrities to the fold and say, hey, why don't you join our consortium for a live so you can have some ownership and stake in something that is black owned, Mm -hmm. where now you can generate revenue in a space that you have ownership. Mm-hmm. And so like, there, like literally there's so many examples, like the Terrence Howard thing that's new, but it's very relevant as to why Alive was created. Like, so right. when I say we are the home of black voices where community culture and creatives lives, like it's not even just that I want them to live there, but I want them to thrive in that space too. Right. Um. So yeah. In a nutshell, that's why Alive was created and why I decided to go with a podcast network. Awesome. I love it. Um, Angel, I'm going to get into three rapid fire questions. This is where I ask you a quick question. You give me the first thought sentence that comes to your mind. Okay. So the first one is when you're not listening to podcasts on your own network, the Alive Podcast Network, which podcast platform do you prefer Apple or Spotify? Mm, I mean, they're both the same in the sense they're more directories than mm-hmm. I'll say Spotify. Great answer. Whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, <I'm> just <laughs> um, why should podcast listeners download the Alive Podcast app? Okay, so this is like a great question, mainly because I want people to feel like they can support hosts that they know, enjoy listening to. And so when you download the Alive Podcast Network app, you actually and you select which host that you're joining because of when you subscribe 50 percent of the revenue 
So of your $4.99, not a lot, y'all. You can't even get a cup of coffee at that. $4.99, it goes to supporting both a Black-owned media entity and a Black creative. So mm-hmm. you're able to do that as well as you can chat with the hosts in the app. You can um, share clips from like your favorite episode that are completely branded on your social media. Um, yeah, and you're able to just like contribute to um stimulating the black creative economy right and i love and that's one of the the things that i loved about what you created is uh not only are you giving people who are seriously interested in supporting um, black creators but you're also giving them a way to support and be a part of that of that journey Mm -hmm. and i think that's that's very powerful and i like how it's catered towards uh, our community um, my last question here, what is a quote or mantra that you currently live by? Mm. So the first one that comes to mind is the one that like, I, I guess live by like, and I have like, since I've heard it is, um, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Mm. Um, and <laughs> When I think about Alive, it's literally like, I remember I got this email when this one of the shows got canceled. Um, I got an email because it was a mental health show. Mm-hmm. And the listener was like, hey, I was diagnosed with anxiety and depression right around the time that this show launched. I can't afford therapy. So you became my weekly accountability partner. Wow. Now that this show is gone what am I supposed to do? Hmm. And I remember reading that email thinking to myself, Angel, you've won awards after awards you for all of these white content creators. So you know what it's supposed to be like. Hmm. If you sit on the sidelines, who are you waiting for to come change the story and the narrative for Black creatives? And how they're able to monetize and how they're not getting canceled just because a network decides they don't want to host their show anymore. But then they take Mm. ownership of what that show was Mm. and leave our creatives with nothing. And so that mantra or that that quote of stand for something or fall for anything, even with that, I feel like it's a huge part of why I decided that I had to do something. Otherwise I'm just a part of the problem. Right. So it was like an answer to the call. Yeah. Got it. Um, Angel, this has been a beautiful conversation um, for the folks that want to maybe collaborate with you or work with you somehow, or mm-hmm. they want to be a part of the alive podcast at work, or they want you to speak at their next event. What is the best way for that individual to reach you? Yeah, so you can reach out through the Alive Podcast Network um, website, which is AlivePodcastNetwork.com. You can download our apps in both Mm -hmm. um, app stores, iOS and Android. Um, Yeah, that's probably the easiest way. Or you can find me on social media. I'm on all platforms at The Angel Nicole. And it's The, not The. So The is T-H-E-E, Angel Mm -hmm. Nicole. Um, so yeah. Awesome. Um, so guys, as you 
as many of you know, I usually like to end each episode by saying this. If you want to just impress people, talk about your wins, your accolades, the shiny objects you have in your household. But if you really want to have an impact on someone else's life, talk about your failures, those down periods, those rough patches in your life. And more importantly, the lessons that you learn from those experiences. That's how you really move the needle in someone else's life. So with that being said, Angel and myself are out. Peace and love until the next time. Bye. Clockwise. Yeah, yeah. Never turn back. Yeah, yeah. Only go clockwise. Yeah.